You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. And one of the highlights of the week for sure is our Thursday conversations with my old friend Mike Sando from ESPN. Mike, what is going on with you? It is great to be here, Matt. Yeah, just uh, I think it's been a good season. I'm excited for the home stretch of the season. Um, we've had good games for the most part. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I know you're looking forward to this weekend, too. I mean, things are really kind of coming into focus. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it's interesting because I love talking about the articles you write as a starting off point. And I stumbled into this one like a half hour before we started recording. So I haven't read it. <laughs> But I went through and I read all the highlights. And what it is, is yourself, what is Field Yates and Dan Graziano, all vote on who the starters are going to be, quarterback starters, in teams that might be in flux at that very important position. So I want to go through it, if that's cool with you. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. It was a good piece to do. It's funny. We, we, you know, had sort of this open file that we were all working in and it's been for you know it's been a couple of weeks or whatever it's funny how often you change during that process you're like oh ooh, that looks bad this week let's flip it and obviously this stuff's going to play out over the rest of the season so some of the projections will change but things can change so fast with uh these quarterback situations that uh, let me look at the we're we're hearing you know ominous stuff on Alex Smith today. I mean that could totally throw up in the Redskins situation. Yeah, I know that was the last one on the list, but um, we will get to that in a moment. But let's start with Jacksonville. And do anyone do do you or anyone does anyone think Blake Bortles is going to be the starter? Um, I mean it's hard to move away from him. Here's the issue. You know, from a pure football evaluation, he would not be the starter. Right. They kind of made a two-year commitment to him when they signed him before this season. So there are cap consequences. You know, I think he's – it's easier to have him on the team than off the team, you know, um, in in some ways. So I suppose he could. um, But I I felt – you know, we felt for a while. I'm sure you have too. They've kind of needed another option. Now, I talked to some guys in the league who were like, what do you mean another option? No one has other options. There's no good backups, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. there's – either have one or you don't. Um, Name the teams that love their guy going in, you know? The teams that do don't love him after three weeks of playing him. So the idea that they should just have another good quarterback is probably far-fetched too, but at least have an option. That's what Um, I killed them for the past two off-seasons is you gave yourself no outs. Yeah, it's somebody like, you know, a de- even a developmental prospect, you know, somebody you're anxious to see more of in the future. They haven't had that. And, you know, it, the de- the defense of them is, do you think if they were paying $30 million a year for Kirk Cousins right now that they'd have a better record? I mean, I think we'd say, yeah, oh, they would, yeah. but he uh, Not by leaps and bounds. He might be struggling in this situation, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, given the injuries that they've had, and uh, I just think their overall team hasn't played as well. So, you know, what would Jalen Ramsey be saying about Kirk Cousins? You know, maybe he doesn't say anything as much publicly about Blake. They've been te- you know, teammates longer. I don't know. It just, you can't predict exactly how it would be if they'd done something else. They, they didn't have a, a, a set of great options, and they'd just gone to the AFC Championship game. So, um, to me, it's just... You know, they've gone an amazing number of starts in a row until recently with, with Blake Bortles. If you go back and look, 
Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's years and years. Yeah. You know, it's dozens and dozens and dozens of starts of Blake Bortles. And, you know, that's hard. It's real hard. And the only reason I could see him not being back is if they just decided, we don't want you in the locker room anymore. Not that he's a bad guy or disliked, but we just need your face out of the building. <laughs> you know, we just need yeah. somebody else playing this position. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, like, uh, so Dan and... You know, Dan and Field and I changed our answers as we went along, and you know, as we got more information, and I, and I can see what they did here. I didn't do this, but you know, with the Jaguars losing more recently, they sort of put him in the mix for a Justin Herbert. You know, mm-hmm. if you were to come out, you've got, uh, you know, going for a quarterback near the top of the draft. I'm kind of proceeding along the lines of, as bad as they are, they're probably, you know, they may not be picking quite that high. They may they may win enough games not to. Now I just penciled in Tyrod Taylor, but I almost feel like Taylor's days as a, as a being seen as a viable starter could be over. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what he, what type of money he would make, but that doesn't really excite me either, except for the fact that you know he if you were to build something around him and have a running game, I, he has shown at least he will avoid turnovers. And I don't know that you know with Wardles, you're wor- a little bit more worried about the turnovers. Yeah, if I was in this conversation, I would have gone a similar route to both of you. But to be honest, I think saying Herbert is too pie in the sky. I mean, right now you're picking ninth. He might go first. You know, oh they, yeah, if he comes out, he's not there in nine. Right. You know, maybe Haskins from Ohio State. Maybe a guy like Greer early in the second round, or you trade back in. You know, like I don't think Herbert's a true option unless you're willing to give up. You know, ransom a Chiefs like move or and that. But you know, they they have so much long term instability. And then my vote for a, a veteran might be Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Yep. Now, what's the price going to be? I know. I mean, you know, and how does that fit with how does that fit with what you're already going to be paying? Blake Bortles, whether he's on the team or not. Exactly, you know, that, exactly. That was, that, that's where the problem is that, okay, this is what I pointed out, okay? He's going to be, he, there's going to be enough of, of cap consequence on Bortles. Do you want to overpay then for a Bortles alternative who, you know, may not be a ton better, may still be a, t, a low tier three guy? And then you've got, you know, then you've potentially got $30 million in a, bad quarterback you know <laughs> right you're not the way to go either i mean doubling down on non-answers they've already declared how they're going to win the game right with defense and run game yes we and, can argue whether that's the way to go but it's not like tom brady was available. but to your point i don't think either one of us is our next team uh, real quick on jacksonville i don't think either one of us believe teddy bridgewater makes him a playoff team this year no right nope. you know so, I mean, if I'm signing Teddy, I'm still drafting one in the top two rounds no matter what. But, okay. Baltimore is next. I think we all believe that's going to be Lamar Jackson. I'm going to move on on a couple of these quickly. Miami, to me, might be the hardest one. Because despite his time in the league, Ryan Tannehill's still almost an incomplete grade for me. Yeah, but he's, we, know what he, we know he's just average. Right, we know he's not gonna, the answer. Yeah, I mean, he... But he... You know, if he were the quarterback on the Jaguars, he may, I mean, maybe similar, you know, maybe similar to Bortles, um, really. I mean, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, if they cut him, you've got $13.4 million in dead money. And then from cap accounting purposes, you could push some of that, you know, beyond next year. But let's just say you've got $13.4 million on him. He's off the team. 
he's trying another guy for 18. Now you got 31.4 million in an 18 million dollar quarterback. Which remember, Case Keenum's an 18 million dollar quarterback. Mm-hmm. So do you want to have 30 million dollars in Case Keenum? And who's or this version of who's this year's version of Case Keenum? You know, is Teddy yeah. worth that? Is you know, yeah, Taylor to me, worth Tan- that? to me, Tannehill's Case Keenum. I mean, they're mm-hmm. the same. You know, and and Tannehill may is you know more athletic. And if I could, if you were to choose one of those two guys, I don't know who I don't know who I'd take. You know, I mean, they're you could make a case for each guy, but it's not overwhelming either way. So, with with Miami, I think we need to see how the home stretch plays out. You know, um, if he plays well down the stretch, are they retaining the coaching staff? You know, all those types of things could could affect it. I feel like they, you know, need to be looking for something else too, just because Tannehill has never really gotten out of that kind of really average starter realm and has the injury strikes against him. Yes, and I'd still rather have him than Keenum or Bortles or Bridgewater or those guys, but your points are very valid. I don't see a lot of options here for them. I mean, but they've been spinning their wheels forever, but I still think I would give Tannehill one more year and do everything possible to draft somebody in the top two rounds. Because it's really easy for us to criticize the quarterback decisions teams make, but if you're that actual team, then who do you get? (laughs) Right, right. You know what I mean? It's easy to say, well, what are they doing keeping Bortles? You're going to go another year with Tannehill? Okay, general manager. You know what? Give your me mode? the answer. Yeah. What are, What are you doing? I mean, last oh, year it was easier. There was five first round quarterbacks. I mean, now you don't even know what the draft offers. Yeah, you're like, oh, your options aren't good either. You know, it's easy to criticize. So, you know, it's easy to just say, well, they should be looking out for another quarterback in the top two rounds. Okay. Well, they got a lot of other needs on their roster too. What if they don't have a top two round grade on a quarterback? Mm-hmm. Um, are you supposed to take one over a guy, uh, you know, if they see somebody who they think is the next Alvin Kamara, do you just take a quarterback? You don't. Right. And I'm sure the Dolphins and amongst and some of these other teams have said, we're going to have our eye on a quarterback the first two rounds, and the draft doesn't go that way. Yep, totally. So um, not a great situation to be in, but welcome to, you know, 15 teams in the league. Right, right. And again, I think I wouldn't just move on from Tannehill. The more I look at the Raiders, and I watched them more and more this week because the Steelers are playing them, I think Derek Carr is starting to get it. I think he's starting to play better. He just has nothing around him. And I used to think, let's move on. John will probably want to move on and get his own guy. But in the end, I think it's the right move just to keep Carr. I do, too. You know, I think they need to, they need to give him a lot of help. And they've instead they've taken away help, and I you know I think that we've probably moved on from the idea that Derek Carr is going to ascend into that top tier and really be the guy who um, you know is is carrying your team and and the the amazing leader and all those things that they sort of you know you'd ideally like your guy to be. But I think you win with him for sure. I I tweeted this yesterday. Derek Carr this year has a higher QBR, passer rating, yards per attempt this season than previously in his career. <laughs> this year he's averaging the exact same, 10.66 yards per completion. This year that's the exact same as before this year. He has a higher percentage of his passes this year than previously, being explosive, gaining more than 15 yards. Wow. Um, now he's taking way more sacks, and I think that's a reflection of their line, probably, and maybe you know some hes- hesitancy in the, within the scheme, whatever. 
But the bottom line for them is they've gone from mediocre on defense to horrible. Oh, horrible. And, yeah, and then, like you said, the weaponry around him, the idea that Gruden was going to go old in the beginning just totally backfired. So don't get worse at the position just because there's some things that you don't like about Derek Carr. You know, we can nitpick on Carr. He needs to be tougher in the pocket, all those things. Yeah, that's great. I also want to trade in my car for a Jaguar or a Ferrari, right? Right. But the dealership but isn't offering that deal to you. Dealership's not offering that deal. Derek Carr is a, you know, a solid vehicle. He's a solid vehicle. You can win with this vehicle, you know. And some of these teams um, we mentioned would love to have that vehicle. Yep. Oh, absolutely. So um, I think that you know, don't don't make the team any more worse. You've already done that with some of the moves that you've made. Um, you know, and so move on with him. I think that's easy, even though we could both say, hey, maybe two, three years down the road, maybe maybe Gruden gets his guy somehow. But mm-hmm. I don't think you do. I don't think you do it now. And with as many picks as they have, maybe they use a third rounder on a developmental guy or something and let John play with him for a year or two and see what he turns into. Yeah. Yep. I think what's curious is, is what if they're really picking right at the top um, and John loves a guy because I, I you know, you've always sort of gotten the feeling, oh, you know, Gruden, if he only had a top quarterback, but then I don't know that he really wants to go all in with a guy at the very top either. He's he sort of always, it's almost like he likes to not always be happy with this quarterback <laughs> right, situation. Right, right. He, he likes, likes the, he likes the fixer upper car. Yeah, he does. He doesn't want the Ferrari, yeah. Um, that's pretty funny, actually, with, especially with his last name, of course. Um I'm going to take a quick break here. I want to talk about a couple more teams. We have some other topics around the league. And then we're going to talk Thursday Night Football to wrap it up, as we always do. I'll be back in a moment. All right, all right. The Giants would love to have a new car, even one that's a fixer-upper. And I think Eli's close to done. But I also think he's playing a little bit better. And... If they had one or two more offensive linemen, would this be a very good offense with him while you groom somebody younger? All of a sudden, they're picking sixth. They're not picking first. If Herbert comes out, I don't think he's going to be there at six. I mean, maybe you could get a Haskins or somebody like that, but I don't know that this is as clear as it once was. Is Oh, we'll just draft them next year. I agree. You know, I, and you, if they stay a little bit more viable down the stretch and Eli's not terrible and, and it actually comes around a little bit. Um, I think they could talk themselves into going another year with it. And mm-hmm. maybe you do draft somebody and bring them in and have the, have the next guy, depending what you think of the other guys that are there and, uh, and be ready. Um, that would have seemed unfathomable like a month ago, but you know, a lot of football people have kind of been saying, as I talk to them every week, Eli's not as bad as people have thought, you know, that, mm-hmm. I agree. um, yeah, I, I was expecting better results from the Shermer offense earlier. Um, didn't happen. And, you know, I'm kind of reminded, too, Bruce Arians used to say, never judge a quarterback, a new offense, in the, until after eight games. So maybe we need to look and see what uh, Eli can do with this group over the second half of the season. His contract for next year is not prohibitive at all. You know, I think he's under $20 million. So, um I think you have to at least consider it. Yeah, right. I mean, there's times he looks bad. You know, when the rush is coming on, he looks like an old man that doesn't want to get hit. But okay, I mean, as are isolated plays, he's still really smart. He distributes the ball well. I mean, he's a professional quarterback. And again, I think he's getting more accustomed to his surroundings 
a little bit better blocking, and that offense might be close to fixed. Yep, yep. And so let's evaluate over the last month of the season. You know, I think he has to win the job still. You know, if okay. yeah. it, don't you feel like if if his season ended right now and they played the other guy, I don't know that I feel great enough about it. <laughs> That's right, obviously right. not what they're going to do, probably. But um, we need. I, I want to see him start to flourish and get a feel like, hey, I want to see more of this, as opposed to, uh, we're really going to do this again? <laughs> Denver's just as curious, because they just spent money on Keenum. Maybe you do another year. I mean, I keep throwing this out there, like, draft a guy in the second or third round that's a developmental player, but I don't know the draft well enough to give you five of those names that are worthy of it. I mean, so, it's a good plan, but does it fall that way for you on draft day? It's a team that could use other things for sure. My hunch, like you guys all said in the article, is Keenum's probably going to be the starter. Well, and especially the way they're, you know, they've rallied back into it. Now you take away Chris Harris, who's hurt the terrible injury to Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, maybe they don't, they're not a 500 team, you know, com- competing for the playoffs. But uh, um, I, I agree. I mean, I think they kind of made a, a two year deal w- with him where. Or I guess it's what seven million dollars in guaranteed salary for next year. So you you could walk away from that, but mm-hmm. um, not sure it's worth it to though. Who's your option going to be? You're probably gonna you're gonna have a good enough record to not be in the mix for one of those top guys. Um, so yeah, does that excite you? I mean, if you're a Bronco fan, you're like, oh, let's see another year of Keenum. You know, again, we're though we're in the situation of okay, what's your alternative? It's Matt Schaub, Andy Dalton, purgatory. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. Um, the next three teams, I don't, we're not going to really talk about Tampa, Tennessee, Dallas. I think all those young guys are coming back, although there could be a coaching change in Tampa. But Winston's a good quarterback. You and I have talked about Winston a million times. I'm a believer. If, if he became available, all of a sudden, many of these teams, in my opinion, should jump all over him unless they have really yeah. you know, worried so, off the field. Yeah, here's the deal, though. You know, uh, he's, he, can you trust him on or off the field? I don't know. Yes or no? You know, I mean, I feel probably like, no, probably no. <laughs> um, but he has been playing some turnover ball here the last few weeks. So let's, I guess, let's see how he finishes. That's a whole interesting just situation um, as far as what you do because statistically, that offense is going to be really good by the end of the year. Do you want to give that up? <laughs> you know, to make a change, maybe everyone just sort of hangs on, right? Because they're competitive. I mean, they're they're not a bad team at, at this stage of the season. I think yeah. I would give it another year. Um, especially with Winston and with Cutter, especially the offensive coordinator. Um, last one is one you mentioned is Washington. Is Let's say Alex Smith is done doing this football thing. Yeah, yeah. We wrote this kind of before. You know, this, right. we wrote, this was filed by last night. So today we're hearing, you know, infection and all this kind of stuff in some of these reports. So, yeah, if Alex Smith were not in the mix, what do you do? As the Redskins teams, it's not going to be picking in the top five. No, right. Like, they might be the worst situation of all. Yeah. It's a, re- it's a really, really tough one. They also, you know, put a lot of money into Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they did a long-term deal with him. So, um, that is a really, really tough, tough situation. Yeah. And even if he does come back, I think you have to be very open to the idea of drafting somebody. Yeah. Yep. And just looking at his contract here. So, for next season... Wow. Wow. For, not that they're going to cut him, but he's got he's got $15 million guaranteed base salary next year. You know, he's got 
if he were to be released, and like I said, they're not going to do that, but it's $36 million in debt money. Wow. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a worst major, of major commitment to where really effectively they made a three-year commitment to him. Mm-hmm. And you wonder, is yeah. it better if he doesn't come back? You know, what kind of version is he going to be if he does return? And I think at this point we're just hoping he he's, comes out okay with his leg, you know, that he's able to live a nice life. Well, that oh, I, agree, yeah. I agree with you, but if I'm the yeah. GM of the Redskins, I need more than that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah that's right. That's you great. Have to consider but... the colder consideration. Yeah, I need to play on Sunday. You know, right? And yeah, it can't yeah. be Colt McCoy for the next five years. Yep. Yeah, yep. that one's very ugly. Possibly, there might not be an answer. That one's bad. And the more I think about it, the less I like it from their perspective. Um, yeah, it's tough. And it, it wasn't like they were lighting the world on fire either, the way it was. No, it wasn't a raging success signing him in the first place. Yep. Um, we've talked all week about the Packer situation. Do you have a leader in the clubhouse? I know Josh McDaniel's name gets keep getting brought up, but I keep thinking he's going to want to buy the groceries too, you know, and or so, how, much, yeah. how much do other teams hold the Colts situation against him? You know, do you they, Yep. Yeah. Yep. We, at ESPN this week, we had to, you know, who would you, who should they hire? Not who will they, who should they? And, mm-hmm. I think there were multiple of McDaniel's answers. I said Bruce Arians, and I, to me, my thinking was this: um, there's no other team in that division wants to see Bruce Arians come in. You know, possibly bring in a Todd Bowles as your D coordinator if he's let go. Mm, I like that. Um, a lot of confidence. He's got great track record in two key fronts for this position. One is working with a veteran quarterback. I think he can challenge a guy, but he loves the guy too, right? So you're not going to come in and just totally disrupt the apple cart, but Bruce Arians could be honest about how the quarterback played. You know, he, I think he forged great relationships with Roethlisberger, with Andrew Luck, with Carson Palmer. So I trust that, you know, I think he's a great leader of men. I think he's a great leader of your organization. He also, when he went to Arizona, had to come in and work alongside a general manager in Steve Keim, who was kind of an Arizona lifer. He'd been there probably 20 years, 15, 20 years, and was really the only organization that he knew as a personnel guy. Well, that's what Brian Gutkust is for the for the Packers. You know, he's a GM. And Mark Murphy. Who, and Mark Murphy. And, and, and so I think Bruce has shown an ability, even though he's a little bit of a bull in a china shop, to come in and get along well with people. You know, I think he can relate to people. I think he can lead people. I think he has a great feel for a team. He is 66 years old, so, you know, if he were 50, he wouldn't be available right now. You know, he wouldn't have retired. He's had some health issues. He's had to be go to the hospital from practice because of whatever was some sort of ailment here or there. So it is a risk, but I just, I like that as opposed to, hey, let's guess on whether this other young assistant who's 33 um, is the next Sean McVay, you know, and people, people think that you're the next Sean McVay because you can X and O. I don't think that's the whole thing. I think being the leader of the team is a big part of it, too. I think that's really well said. And I can tell you the people in Pittsburgh loved and adored him. You know, he had spent a lot of time here. And clearly when he went to the Colts between Pittsburgh and Arizona, I mean, he you know, the, took over for Pagano and did all the things like you mentioned. I really like that fit because maybe they could win now then, too. It's not we don't have to tear this thing down. And I'm thinking about it from an X's and O's standpoint. Like the big reason he left Pittsburgh was... Ben's getting killed. We don't want this guy to have a short career. Well, do they have the tackles in, in Green Bay yeah. to have a downfield passing game? Rodgers can still create. He certainly has the abilities to go downfield a lot. So schematically, I think that's a good fit too. Yep. And ever, you know, 
every, Bruce Arians gets everyone to believe and rally around what the best case scenario is. And I think we saw Arizona this season lost that. You know, they're trying to find their way under Steve Wilkes, and, and they've shown some a pulse here lately. You know, they're getting a little bit better. But Bruce, like, could be in, was almost insurance against the terrible year. I don't think their personnel has been great the last couple no. of years in Arizona. And, you know, he found ways to go in and win in Seattle, you know, and just be tough, be a tough team to play. And I think that team in Green Bay has lived and died with Aaron Rodgers. And when Rodgers is feeling it and feeling great, that whole team plays better on all sides of the ball. And Bruce Arians could go in there and say, look, guys, we got the number one guy in the league. What are you hanging your heads for? We're going to go kick some, you know what? You know, and I think everyone will you believe You can see it. him stand in front of the team going, guys, we got Rodgers, you know? I mean, with yeah. his vigor, I mean, like, yeah, we can beat absolutely. the world. I think, I think even Aaron would get excited about it, you know? Sure. No, I like that a <laughs> lot. Yeah, um, that's kind of my guy, you know, for them. I love it. I love it. I keep hearing about him at the Browns, but I like that better. Um, another quick break coming up here, and then I got two more topics, including tonight's game. Um, this, this segment always goes too fast with Mike, but we'll be back in a moment. All right, Mr. Sando, you suggested before we went on the air, we could do a little time jump about a month and fast forward to if Wild Card Weekend was this weekend, how do you think it plays out? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to call up my, uh, my standings right now um, and take a look. We know who the buys would be, right? Right. I mean, in the AFC, we have... Um, it's the Patriots. It's, Can, right, it's right? Kansas City and New England would have the buys in the okay. AFC. Okay, so in the AFC you would have Baltimore at Houston. At, at okay? Houston, you, you're going to take Houston on that. I agree. I think just sort of both sides of the ball can score now. Yeah, but I don't feel part, strong about it. I mean, I don't think yeah. Baltimore is great, but if for, I, I could see an upset there. Oh, I, I could too. Yeah, I think a good defensive plan by Baltimore. I think they're a physical team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the. The quarterback is kind of an X factor, I think. You know, I mean, you could yeah. you could certainly see in a one game situation where they scheme something up and do really well. They stop uh, Texans' so, running game and make Watson beat them, and he turns the ball over once or twice. And you know, yeah. the Ravens win on special teams. Not the hardest place in the world to play. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I bet that's like a three point game. Yep. The other one's really fascinating because it would be the Chargers at Pittsburgh again. And again, I would think Pittsburgh would get them the next time um, at home, but. You have your finger on the pulse of that team. Are you, you know, are you not believing, or are you still think they're going to be okay? No, I'm still believing. I mean, a lot of self-inflicted errors over this little stretch. Um, I don't know that those will ever go away, but they seem to come in bunches. There's a lot of games where there aren't self-inflicted errors. Um, I thought that going into the first one, Pittsburgh Chargers was a very even matchup. Two of the most well-rounded teams in the league, and I think it would have been, will be again, and I do think that matchup's going to happen. But my hunch is Pittsburgh at home would not lose another one. I would take the Steelers. It's interesting. Of the top six teams in the AFC right now, Kansas City, New England, Houston, Pittsburgh, Chargers, and Baltimore, um, the Steelers have the worst conference record, 4-4-1. Four, four, and one. Everyone else is above 500. So mm-hmm. as we go to the NFC, the Rams and the Saints would have the bye. We would have Minnesota at Chicago in an NFC North battle, and we would have Seattle at Dallas in the other game, and they've already played each other. So... Let's go Minnesota at Chicago and assume Trubisky is healthy. Yeah. And it's going to remember, we're going to put this game in January. It's going to be real cold. Um, weather's going to maybe be a factor. Wouldn't and expect we, a lot of points. 
Minnesota is not really a physical running team, and Chicago is a physical team, but not really a physical running team. They're kind of a gadgety running team. They do have Jordan Howard. Um, They're a big play offense. Yeah, w- I say I think I would still take the Bears. Just I don't like the Vikings O line situation in a game like that on the road. I would love to see between now and then Zimmer puts his foot down and says we got to run the ball more. You know, yep. Delvin Cook's healthy. Maybe we will see that by then, but I don't like the – I don't think the, the Vikings offense and defense complement each other well enough to win a game yeah. like that where, sure, yep. Trubisky could throw three picks, but so could Cousins. Yeah, yeah, especially against that defense. You get yeah. Khalil Mack charged up at home mm-hmm. against a not great offensive line. I agree with uh, I agree with you. I think Chicago would be the team I would lean to on that. And then Seattle at Dallas – they played earlier in the year when I think neither team was as good as they are now. Agreed. Seattle won that game. Got Earl Thomas had a couple picks. He's obviously not playing now. Um, Seattle not very good on defense, but really has sort of found its way offensively and is good on special teams. Going to Dallas, which now has a really good front seven on defense, um, sort of knows what they want to do on offense as well. Um, I might. I'm torn on that one. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I I may lean towards Seattle on just Russell Wilson. I mean, I yeah. think he's he may give them an edge in that type of game, but I think it's a tough game. I think it's a tough game. Of course it won't be, but if it was in Seattle, I would take the Seahawks. Or if it was on neutral field, I think I'd take the Seahawks. But I feel like I'm disrespecting Dallas, too. I like how they're playing. I really like their defense, um, especially the front seven. I probably would take Seattle, though, on the basis of the quarterback. And I have a feeling that game comes down to who runs the ball better. And it leads me to one other quick topic to you. And I'm not sure if we talked about this last week or not. But I find it interesting that we watched that Rams-Chiefs game. We watched last year's Super Bowl. We know all the crazy offensive numbers that are going on in the league right now. But of the, the 12 playoff teams you just rattled off, Baltimore, Houston, Seattle, Dallas, even New England have become very run-heavy. Yeah. Yep. It, people, you know, analytically will say the running game, you know, you should, teams shouldn't run nearly as much as they do. Um, and, and I agree with, I mean, I agree to some degree. I mean, uh, you know, you've got to be able to throw the ball to win and score in, uh, mm-hmm. in the NFL. And I think if you become one of those teams, although Seattle's made it work, but if you become one of those teams who always runs on first down and all that, you're wasting opportunities, you know. No doubt. But, but there's two things here. The threat of the run is critically important for everybody. I mean, that's huge for opening up your offense. So you've got to be able to, whether you run it well or not, you've got to be able to create a credible threat that you're running the ball. But the ability to run when you need to is an awesome ability. I mean, that really helps you. It doesn't mean that you're going to run the whole game to win. But when you sort of have to run, and I, I feel like Seattle can do that. Um, Dallas, Dallas yeah. may be able to do that. I don't necessarily feel like Chicago and Minnesota can do that. No. Um, the New Rams England. may be able to do that. The, the Saints, Saints can. may be able to do that. Um, Kansas City now may not. Yeah, that's a big loss. You know, that's a big deal. Pittsburgh, if everybody's healthy, maybe can. Probably. Chargers, maybe. Yeah. Baltimore kind of can. So, yeah, that is an interesting component of the teams. Now, here's the thing. Here's where I wanted to go with this. Let's do this. So, we'll do this for each conference. So, in the AFC, Kansas City and New England top two seeds – who do they not want to see get through? You know what I mean? Who is the threat of the other teams in the AFC? Houston, Pittsburgh, Chargers, or Baltimore? I'm going to say 
to me, the Chargers, yeah, Chargers, you know, maybe the Steelers, but to me, there's in the AFC, there's a lot of teams that can rush the passer. Yes, and that's what scares me. If I'm New England, I don't want to see a great pass rush. And Pittsburgh has that interior pass rush, yep. but the Patriots always beat the Steelers. <laughs> you know, so I would say yeah. the Steelers if I'm New England, but history shows very differently. Uh, and to me, in the AFC, it feel it just Chargers have their issues, but it feels a little bit like their year to me. And uh, you know, getting Bosa back, adding a Bosa late in the year, who had to Bosa? Who adds a Bosa? Yeah, you lose a Hunt. You don't add a Bosa. I mean, just think of this. Take any other team that's in the playoff mix and just add Bosa to them. And right. tell, me what, tell me what you think about their chances. <laughs> that's what Kansas I kept saying about the Steelers. Like, right. oh, they might add Lev Bell. You know, like, why is that a bad thing? It's kind yeah, of the same like deal. New right. England adds Joey Bosa right now. Like <laughs> right. Yeah, not so bad. Well, guess, guess what? The Chargers just, just did. You know, that's awesome. For it them. is awesome. So, in the NFC. Real quick in the Rams, AFC, though. If I'm the... Okay, okay. I don't think this will happen, and it wouldn't scare the heck out of me, but we saw the Chiefs lose to the Titans in the postseason. What if a team like Baltimore came there? The veteran team, plays yeah. them tough, knows that they're not going to run on them, hits Mahomes, confuses Mahomes. They could pull I'm, it off. I'm worried, but they play this week. I'm a little bit worried. I, I mm-hmm. kind of think Kansas City will score enough points, but you know, we may see a, a Patrick Mahomes with a little bit fewer options and having to run a little more and scrambling and, and could have some times where they make it tough. Now it's a confusing you know, defense. Yeah. Now he had about four touchdown passes last, last week, but it's against the Raiders. You know, you're going to see, you're going to see a different challenge for him this week. So I actually think the chargers can win the division. I mean, they're only one game behind and they're playing Kansas city soon. Kansas city will probably beat Baltimore, but might not. So um, I think that, that's very much in play where what if now Kansas City has to play an extra playoff game? To me, that could still happen. Yeah, um, I think it could. Yep. So in the NFC, if you're the Rams or the Saints, who do you not want to see? The Rams or the That's Saints. Good. I mean, like, I don't know anyone else hangs with them. Well, I mean, I guess the I, Bears. I don't, know if the, I don't know if the Rams won another game with Seattle, who scored thirty-one points on them twice and barely lost. And they know them well. The divisional they know factor. them well. Seattle yeah. ran, ran the ball for two hundred and seventy some yards on them the last time they played, and probably had you know a big one the game before. So they would I shorten that game, and Wilson wouldn't lose it for them. Right. That now, is the team I don't want to see if I'm the Rams. Now, if I'm Seattle, I don't want to go. To, I, I don't think that New Orleans has the same concern against Seattle, for whatever reason. Not in the dome. Going in the dome, and I, I just feel like this. I just feel like the Saints would do better. Maybe I'm wrong, but the the Rams. It's that weird thing in the division where Seattle's played it tough twice. I, I think that's maybe a team you don't want to see. Otherwise, I mean, is it Dallas the team that the Saints don't want to see because they already beat them? I was going to say Minnesota. I mean, they, they, we saw what happened last year when they met. That's a defense that would rush the passer well. They can throw, but um, I don't really think there is an answer. I mean, if I'm the Saints, there's nobody I'm saying, boy, I hope they get knocked off in round one. Yeah, yep. I kind of feel the same way. And are they, are they your Super Bowl team? For yes, NFC? yes. I think they're the best team in the league. I thought that for a while. And yep. yeah, I think they're the best team in the league. We had to answer that question about a month ago. Who's your Super Bowl? And I think I picked the Chargers with the Saints and then made it a 
I, even though I don't necessarily believe this in my heart fully, I had the Chargers winning on the idea that Philip Rivers would finally get his due and beat his former teammate, beat Breeze, and they would, you know, sort of he would get his ring. He, he that Rivers won't be on the Missing Rings show on NFL Network when they do that in the future. Remember they did that mm-hmm. with like all those great teams that never won. <laughs> I'm hoping uh, that all comes true because I don't want him on that show, but. That's a yeah. nice. That's a nice fantasy, I and mean, that's a nice. It is. I don't know <laughs> happen, but, but I don't feel terrible about it either. You know, I think those are two really good teams. I do too. Um, tonight's game isn't super exciting. It's very low uh, over under total. Um, I just don't know where. It's an under under. It's the under it's under 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 uh, the under bowl. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm open to the idea that with Bouye back, the Jags D is back, and Fournette's back, and I think he's running well. But I also am turning the corner on Mariota and Corey Davis, and I think Tennessee wins this game, especially at home. I would think Tennessee wins at home and is able to score enough points uh, and able to keep the Jaguars in check. It is a funky divisional game where you, you don't always know. You know, they, they know each other really well, and so sometimes weird that things comes happen into play. But Thursday night, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna also say that you know it's the short week road game and. And uh, the Jaguars coming off that 6-0 sort of slug fest. <laughs> I think they're going to need more than six points yeah. to win this game. And I'm not 100% sure they're going to get more than... I don't know that... I mean, do you think they're going to... you think the Jaguars score 17 points in this game? No. Unless there's defensive turnovers, which could, could happen. You know, could happen, of course. In, in field goal range or whatever. I honestly thought the Jags, I was shocked by what they did last week. I thought they were already making, you know, vacation reservations. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So So that was kind of impressive. Yep. We'll see. Dude, this was fun. Um, We will do it again next week. And tomorrow I will be at my bookie picking all the rest of the game. So uh, over and out. And thank you very much, Mr. Sando. Great. We'll do it next week. Absolutely.